0: In today's show, it's time for the NBA Draft Big Board 1 through 75. You get to see how I rank these players, a little bit of discussion about dynasty value, but we're going to do more on that in some other shows coming up as well. So, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by BirdDogs. Go to BirdDogs.com slash and when you enter the promo code LockedOnNBA they throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Recording this before Game 3 of the NBA Finals. So I don't know how that game went. Hopefully your team won. We'll see how it goes. Interesting to see Miami get Game 2 there against Denver. We also got the news slash confusing reporting about Chris Paul being waived and then not being waived and then them looking to trade him or maybe waive him or bring him back on a cheap... I, I don't know. Something's happening with Chris Paul. We talked about that on the Suns um, season review podcast. They're going to be doing something because there's a decent, non-guaranteed portion of that deal, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But the initial reporting from Haynes was then rebuffed by Woj and by Shams saying he hasn't been waived yet, so there's still more to play out in that Chris Paul situation. But now, I'm going to do a big board. So it's a big board? It's a little bit different to a mock draft where this is just me ranking the players 1 through 75. Obviously, a mock draft doesn't have 75 picks, so we're getting yeah, into that area. And normally when I'm doing a mock draft, I am looking at best player available, but often, how do you know that? And this is my argument in fantasy drafts all the time. Oh, I just take best player available. Yeah, but who? Who's best? And often, it's very hard to split that. So in mock drafts, I have tiers of players, and I look at them and go, who's the sort of best player that fits on this team within that tier? I'm not reaching down two tiers to grab a guy because of fit trying to find the right guy in that spot. And if there's no one else that's sort of available in that tier who necessarily fits, I'll just take the best player that's left in that area. With a big board, this is just how I think the players are fit. Nothing to do with it. Doesn't matter what team they go to. This is not an order of where they should be drafted. It's how I view these players in terms of talent. There'll be a lot of crossover with the mock draft for sure. But this is what this big board is. First time I'm doing my big board uh, and putting it out into the part, I did actually. That's not true. I tw- tweeted out an initial version of it about two weeks ago, but it's changed quite a bit since then. We've had all the withdrawals as well um, from the draft. We might have some more with the international withdrawals coming up. So, and I've also spent a lot of time trying to f- do some funny stuff with the graphics. So, if you are watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up and tell me what you think about the graphics. All right, let's go into the big board. And we're going to do from seventy-five here through to sixty-one. Number seventy-five. I am going to go with Malcolm Cazalon who is an international player. I believe he will be in this draft. I think he, I'm almost certain he's going to stay. I've got him at 75, plays for mega. Um, a a wing-sized player. I don't need to go into these players with huge amount of detail. At 74, I've got Hunter Tyson from Clemson. But there's probably 10 or 12 guys, maybe even more, maybe 15 guys that I had in my top 75 that ended up going back to school. So it did bring some of these players up that I didn't have in this area uh, into the top 75. It's got Hunter Tyson from Clemson at 74, got Jalen Pickett from Penn State at 73, Colin Castleton from Florida, now, Colin Castleton's an interesting player because he does have some very, very intriguing um fantasy numbers, not to say that he'll ever necessarily come to anything or be able to um, impact a lot of stuff, but in terms of translating his numbers across for fantasy, he does not like he's older, but he does not come through in the worst tier of my guys. Now I've got in my fantasy dynasty tiers, I've got 98 players in that tier and Castleton comes in at 67 in that group. So he's a little bit higher. That's still tier 19 because I've got 20 tiers for my uh, dynasty rookies. He's still coming in at tier 19, but he's not as low as he is in my uh, overall big board here because there are some intriguing things that he is able to do that if he ever got, opportunities in the NBA, then we'd, we'd see some we'd see some interesting things from uh, Colin Castleton from Florida, I think. After Castleton at number 71, I've got Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, a guy that obviously put up huge numbers in college. I just don't really see him as a viable NBA player. He'll get an opportunity either in a camp or on a two-way deal. Remember, we've got three two-ways each team can use this season. I don't think Timmy's going to have much impact as a uh, NBA player. He might get drafted, but I don't have him as a top 60 player. Number seven, uh, number not number seventy because number seventy was Drew Timmy. No, no, yes, it is number seventy. Oh, I'm all over the place. Number seventy-one was Drew Timmy. Number seven is Usman Inday from um, Basconia, um, a guy that's not really getting any buzz. I haven't really heard anything about him. He might end up going back and or staying in Europe as a stash player. I think there's a little bit of upside with him uh, as a big man. There's just, there's something there. I'm not not massively in on him, but there's something there with him. Um, Sixty nine which is the one that I was waiting to get to, Giggity. is Jazzy and Gortman from Overtime Elite. Really good defensive numbers, as a lot of the players uh, in Overtime Elite did or did have. Um, a guard guy. A uh, guard guy. A guard. That's the word. Um, I think Gortman is at least worth a, a two-way look. 68 is Tosan Evonwan from um, Princeton. A point forward. We talked about him a couple of days ago on the Prospect Scouting shows. Just a, an older guy, but really interesting passing ability as a point forward. Not sure he's got the shooting to make it in the NBA, but I've got him at 68. 67 from Arizona, Azualas Tabelas. Number 66, I've got Imani Bates from Eastern Michigan, who I don't really think is an NBA player, but he'll get drafted, I'm sure. Number 65 is Jordan Miller from Miami. 64, Amari Moore from San Jose State. Um, 63, Muhammad Gay from Washington State. Yes, his name is pronounced gay. It's not guy. It's gay, but it's like gay with a French accent. Gay. Like that. I did my best because he's from Senegal, I believe. But it's gay. Number 62, New Zealand legend, Mojave King, who played for the G League Ignite. Another player who haven't really heard anything about him in this pre-draft lit up. He's a guy that came in with a little bit more hype than this. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up a top 45 player in this class, King. Just haven't heard anything about him, really. Number 61 is Isaiah Wong. Probably a little bit small, but... Just a very good basketball player, Isaiah Wong from Miami, of course, who uh, made that run through to the Final Four in the NCAA tournament, a bit older as a player, but there's a little bit of intrigue there, I think, from Wong to be at least on a two-way and be able to fill in some spot minutes occasionally as an NBA rotation player, or if not, a really solid career in Europe is coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird dogs, stretch shorts. You know, you get these shorts, they feel stiff. They're made of this cotton and you go, okay, this is great. Like, I've got to wear these. I've got to wear my cotton shorts. Ah, Don't worry about that. Stretch shorts from bird dogs. They'll cover you, whatever you need to do. You're walking the dog, bang. You're right on the money with bird dogs. You're going out to a bar. Bird dogs will work. I've got them on now, literally not changing my shorts. I I know I have to wash them at some point. That's why I need more pairs, but I love my bird dogs. They have anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric as well. So, as you guys in the states are heading into summer they're going to be perfect for that weather bar restaurant shopping friend's house backyard cookout whatever it is i think you guys have got public holiday oh, no you just had a public holiday didn't you? memorial day weekend is over but 4th of july is coming up so bird dogs will be perfect for those backyards and we get a free tumbler with every order a yeti style tumbler which i've got here and i'm showing you on the screen my bird dogs tumbler you get it with every order put your hot drinks in it bang you got to love that. So, go to birddogs.com slash nba enter the promo code locked.nmba, and you get that free Yeti-style Tumblr with your order. That's birddogs.com slash nba for a free Yeti-style Tumblr. You won't want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you. Okay, let's um, let's move on to the next group of players on my big board. Starting at number 60, a guy that I hadn't really paid a huge amount of attention to until recently, that's Vonimir Ivisic who played for uh, Proderica, I believe it's called, SC S- S- Derby. I think is the actual name of the team, but it's in uh, Proderica in the Adriatic League. Um, he's actually got insane fantasy translation numbers. So, if he does work out, there is some very intriguing stuff for him. And I talked about how Colin Castleton's numbers yeah, played out really well in terms of uh, fantasy uh, dynasty rankings. Ivisich came out in my tiers as a tier 10 player which puts him 34th. His numbers translated unbelievably. Now, a big part of that is the fact that he didn't play a huge amount in Europe, just 11 minutes a game. But he was able to hit threes, huge, huge, uh, 1.7 threes per 40 minutes. Not, not bad numbers there, but 3.7 blocks. So a three-point shooting, shot-blocking big man. Never heard that coming out of Europe? And we know when they hit, they have some value in them, so I've got Ivicic at sixty. At number fifty-nine, I've got Demoy Hodge from Missouri. Some interesting like things you could look at with Hodge, with his um, like when you look at uh, Bartovic and look at some of the uh, what do you what do you call it? Like the the constraints you put on searching for players. Hodge's name appears probably more than you would think. He's uh, an older player. He's what twenty-four already but just a few interesting things that he is able to do. 40% three-point shooter on over seven attempts per game and 2.6 steals. That is the absolute epitome of a 3 and D player. You are hitting the threes. You are hitting the Ds, giggity. Um, True shooting of 63%. Usage was at 22 only. So perfect role-player potential for Hodge. He's 6'4 wing. You know, that's very. And thinking about it, when I go back and redo this again, my final board in a week or two, Hodge might move up. At 58, I've got Jalen Clark from UCLA. Probably would be a little bit higher than this if it wasn't for the Achilles injury. Um, Excellent defensive wing, but I'm not feeling super confident in him with that injury, and he's a little bit older. Number 57 is Nikola Juricic from uh, Mega B Max. Another point forward type, but the shooting has been disastrous, and that's. If the shooting was okay. I'd probably have him 10 spots higher, but it was just really bad this season. Number 56 is Serjabari Rice from Texas. Played pretty well in the combine. I believe he was at the G League combine and might have actually got called up to the big combine, but a guy that's sort of stepping up at the moment. Number 55 is Adama Sanogo from UConn. Big man, big, strong frame. Um, Interesting, high usage player, but doesn't really appear that way as a guy. Some interesting free throw and efficiency numbers as well. He's a, he's a guy that will take a flyer in the second. Number 54 is Adam Flagler from Baylor, who is running that team with Keontae George. Just a solid... Just I don't know how accurate this is. and you know, I'm not a, not a big player comp guy in general, but Flagler has the potential to be a guy that can come in and maybe hold like an Andrew Nembhard role. Just be solid, shoot 40% from three, which Nempar didn't do in college, like run an offense, pass, defend okay. He's a little bit older. He's 6'3". I, I, I'm starting to like him a lot more. 53 is Keontae Johnson from Kansas State. Older player, strong body, really interesting um, fantasy translation type numbers for Keontae. But part of the thing that holds him back is the age. And that, that puts him, obviously, a lot lower. He doesn't come in particularly strong on my overall translations. Actually, he's down at, like, number 68. So for a guy who's probably going to go probably even higher than this in the draft, where I've got Keontae at 53, his fantasy numbers don't come through particularly strong. If I have a look, where did uh, Flagler come out, actually? Flagler came out, or even worse. His fantasy translations are shit else. Um 88. Wow, that's bad. Um, Jalen Wilson from Kentucky. I've got a lot of skepticism about him. He is going to be drafted pretty high. I've got him in tier 18 for my dynasty numbers. I've got him here at number 52, but a player who's older wing is being a wing is great. That's always useful in the NBA, but can he translate his game into the NBA? Cause he's never going to be a high usage player. Like he was at Kansas. Kansas. And those sort of players can often get lost if he doesn't fill the role that he needs to fill. So that gives me a level of concern, and he's older. Ricky Council, the fourth. I've got him at 51 from Arkansas. I just worry about the shooting. Um, defensively, athletically strong, but I just, I'm just i just not that into him. This guy hasn't been on my list for a while, but he did, didn't go back to school. And that is Chris Livingston at number 50 from Kentucky. Kentucky guard bump. I'm always, until I'm proven wrong, and maybe... Maybe Ty Ty Washington um, breaks this streak. Shout out to Marcus Teague. Maybe Ty Ty Washington doesn't pan out, but he is a 19-year-old guard from Kentucky. He played 22 minutes a night. He didn't shoot well, but he only played 22 minutes. He averaged six points. There's just something where I'd be happy to take a flyer on a young player from Kentucky. 49 is Jalen Slawson from Furman. Insane fantasy numbers. We hope... That he, If he's able to get a strong role, um, which is unlikely, but this is like uh, a really, really... like I've only got him tier 15 in my dynasty rookie ranks down at 54 because of the age he's 23 and a half and because he's likely to be a back-end second round, maybe undrafted play, which is all the stuff I put into my formula. But as a player, I do really like him. I think that he's just ability to be a wing player who's got some shooting ability, passing ability, defending ability. It's all there for Slawson. He's just a little bit older and I think teams will discount him somewhat. So is Tumani Kamara, who I've got at forty-eight, out of Dayton. I don't have. Well, actually, I have Slawson marginally ahead of Kamara in my dynasty tier rankings. They both translated really well in terms of just pure straight translations. Uh, Slawson came out better, but Kamara is a little bit younger, and he's probably going to be drafted, and Slawson probably isn't. So that's why I've got him in a similar area. But I, I do have Kamara one spot ahead of Slawson here on my overall big board. At forty-seven is Trace Jackson Davis understanding that Trace Jackson Davis will go much higher than pick 47 in the draft. I just don't, much like when talking about Jalen Wilson, a guy who was older, beat up on younger competition, who had an entire offense schemed towards him and put up great numbers. He did put up great numbers. He was great. He was awesome. But that gives me, like, where, where does he play in the NBA? Six-nine. There there is some strong you know, standing jumping ability, pogo stick jumping. I don't know that he's going to be a good defender in the NBA. I don't know he's ever going to get the offensive opportunity. And I just don't think things will be tailored around him the way they were in Indiana. So he'll go in the 30s, in the draft most likely. He might go in the first round. I wouldn't do it. I'm just further down on him than others are. And then at number 46, I do have Seth Lundy from Penn State. Shooter, a little bit shorter than some of these other wings like Kamara and Slawson. But the shooting numbers are great. Really stepped up. His role for Penn State this season as an older player and just a guy who can hit shots becomes really valuable. Who can play the two, maybe the three, but some shooting ability risen up quite a bit in my estimations over the last little bit of time with some of his performances in the combine, but also just looking at that value of shooting with him pushes Seth Lundy up to number 46. Today's episode is also brought to you by Fanjul. Make a fast break to Fanjul during the NBA finals because... You can get a no-sweat first bet if you're a new customer up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no place to place bets for the playoff action. There's no better place than America's number one sportsbook. That was a mouthful. We're going to have game four coming up of the NBA Finals soon. Game three is in the books. I don't know the score because I'm recording this beforehand, but... We can go ahead and look at single game. We can look at series. We can look at uh, finals MVP. There's some NBA draft rookie of the year props over on FanDuel already. Wembenyama minus 205. The field plus 158. That's that's good odds for the field. I know Wembenyama is insane, but that is good odds for the field. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. I was going to say bucks and dollars and then combine them into bowlers. That's Fangel.com slash on. Fangel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's go 45 through to 31 now. Um, at 45, I've got Andre Jackson Jr. from Connecticut. We know Jackson was a part of that team that won the national title. I'm just... Uh, he's such a low usage, poor shooting player. There is value in him for sure. But I, I don't really know... I don't really know how excited I am for a guy that... You look at guys like... yeah He profiles like Marcus Smart. Defensive, bad shooter, low usage player. But that's not what Marcus Smart was in college. Marcus Smart was a higher usage player in college. He wasn't this. Like this is a... It's so hard to see a point guy with such low usage and such bad shooting in college be able to translate that across to the NBA. I've got him as a tier 13 dynasty rookie. I've actually got tiers for my overall... um, Draft board as well, and I've got there's a bunch. He's in tier 11 in my overall draft board, which he's the start of that tier or the back end of that tier with the the next five guys on that list. And the next guy on that list is uh, Marcus Sasser from Houston. Sasser, really good shooter. My worry with him is age. My other worry with him is size. The shooting is good, but can he actually be a guy that runs an offense? I'm not sure. He's 22 already. He'll be 23 before the start of the season. Um, the shooting can be real, but the, the size, defense, that all those uh, are concerns for me. So I've got him there at number 44. At 43, it's Jordan Walsh from Arkansas. Um, didn't know that he would necessarily come back into the draft or stay in the draft, but he did. The shooting is a massive concern. But size and defensive ability on the wing is huge. Now, if you're taking him at the start of the second round versus taking Isaac Okora at pick five, well, you'd be okay taking a player like that at pick 40, pick 35, pick whatever. I'm very, very skeptical that the shooting ever comes around for Jordan Walsh, but he's young. There's enough there in that youth to um, give me some hope that we can develop some things and the pressure's not on of wasting a high pick to get him um, to get him uh, comfortable with where you need him to be in terms of his shooting. I've got him as a dynasty player, not particularly strong at about number 46, um, which is not far off where I've got him here, actually, where I've got him at number 43 on this list. Number 42 is Julian Strauva from Gonzaga. Great, or Gonzaga, depending on how you want to say it. I don't want to say it that way. Um, strong rebounder, good shooter. Played a big part for that Gonzaga team over the last couple of years. A little bit older. Solid size. Good rebounder as a three. Maybe plays like a small ball four in the NBA. Um, I might be underrating him a little bit, putting him there, but that's fine. He's at 42. 41 is Mike Miles Jr. from TCU. Short. Small wingspan. Really strong. Shooting is good. Um, Passing is okay. I just think there is a role for a player like this. He's not quite the level of Desmond Bain. But a shooter... Who is strong? Who can get to the rim? Uh, who can finish? Okay. Small wingspan, yes, but I just think he's a draftable player. Now he might not get drafted anywhere. Uh, Mike Miles, I think that that's definitely possible. But I do like what he brings. He's not fantasy-wise. He doesn't translate particularly strongly, but he's. Yeah, you know, I think he's a useful player. Terquavion Smith's a guy that could have gone number 20, I reckon, last year, but came back to school. I've got him at 40 this year from NC State. His shooting numbers this season were were really really poor. I do have him up in tier 11 for my dynasty ranks at about number 36. So not far off this zone. But think a player like a Bones Highland, probably worse shooting than Bones Highland, but the ability or worse passing than Bones, but the ability to create your own shot on an NC State team that needed him to do a lot. It didn't work out in terms of his efficiency. But when we're looking for guys who can generate shots, Smith is one of those players. At 39, I've got Kobe Brown from Missouri, who does have really, really strong uh, translation numbers. like he, they, they translate amazingly. Now, what the downside is there is 23. So that gives you a level of concern. But the actual pure production, if it does work out, is really, really good for Kobe Brown. So I like him at 39. 38, I've got Jaime Huckers Jr. from UCLA. I don't really know what his end role ends up being in the NBA. Fantasy-wise, he translates okay. Nothing super spectacular, but sort of around this zone where we've got him there at 38. Uh, UCLA scoring wing. Just some some value as a player who you never expect to be a high upside star guy, but solid enough floor to be a rotation player. 37 is Julian Phillips from Tennessee. The perfect sort of wing size player, which you know, we're always looking for those guys to hit. He played bigger than what he sort of listed. I think he's only listed six seven, but he's played bigger a lot of the time. I've got him, he's only 19 as well. Um, he translates, not bad for fantasy, not perfect, but not bad. And I just think there's upside in a wing like that. 36 is Amari Bailey from UCLA. I'm not as Some people have Bailey in the 20s in the drafts. So I'm, I'm just nowhere near that for him. He is 19. He did struggle at times during the season, but I think some of that is the UCLA system and the, the role that he was playing. I think he's got an ability to scale up and scale back his role, which puts him ahead of some players like, um, say, Jalen Wilson for Kansas. Who I'm not really sure how he does that. I think Bailey can do that, plus he's young. 35 is Ben Shepherd from Belmont. Small school, yes, but really, really stepped it up. High-volume shooter, high-efficiency shooter. Got the ability, I think, to play in a lower-volume role. He doesn't need 35 usage to be able to um, have success. I've got him probably a little bit lower for fantasy than where I've got him in real life, but he's, I would guess, going to go in the 45 to 50 range. I could easily see him go into the first round though, I could easily drop him, jump him into the first round. There's a lot of these players here who are relatively interchangeable in my mind. Like I've got, um, this is a new tier for me. This is tier nine. I had Bailey, Phillips, Yake, Hakes, um, Brown, and Smith in tier 10. This is tier nine. And tier nine for me goes from Ben Shepard all the way through to number 28. So that's Shepard who's there at number 35 all the way through to 28. So the rest of the guys on this current slide that you're looking at are all in the the tier nine for me. At 34, it's James Nagy from Barcelona. Low usage big man who's got size, rim protection, defensive ability. Very, very young. He might be a player who pulls out of the draft, but I would think he'd more likely stay in the draft, get drafted and stay in Barcelona. But he's a very, very low usage, high upside defensive player. I've had him in the first round at times. I've dropped him down a little bit but I do like his defensive ability. 33 is Bobby Clintman from Wake Forest. Unbelievable numbers playing for Sweden in the juniors, but Wake Forest averaged five points per game, but he's a 6'10 player who can handle the ball and shoot. It didn't happen at Wake Forest, so it's all theoretical at this point, at that level of competition, and I think he could easily go in the first round. There's lots of talk that he's been promised a draft spot in the first round already. I like Clintman. I like his upside. Um, The skills and the, the talent is there, He fantasy wise, he didn't translate well at all, but that's because of what happened at Wake. And I think if we look at some of his other numbers, he would jump up. Like I've got him tier 12 in my, um, dynasty rankings, which by the way, a guy I talked about earlier, Jazzy and Gortman from overtime elite, he's up in tier 12 as well, despite being a guy that's probably undrafted. But if Clintman was able to put some of his international play at the, at the level of the Wake Forest production, or well, sorry, yeah, do what he did internationally for Wake Forest, which some of that is scheme related as well, yeah, he would probably jump up into a tier 8 sort of a, a dynasty play, at the moment I've got him tier 9 on my overall big board, 32 is Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine, I just don't know about him, like I know a lot of people are quite high on him, I, I can't really get past him maybe at 28, got him in this tier 9 zone, there is some shooting upside, there's wing size, but I look at him, I'm just uninspired I think. It's like, what is the one thing where I go, "Ooh, what if this happens?" And I go, I'm "Not sure what it is. I'm not sure what that one thing is." It's a little bit like Huckers as well. we go, "Okay, what what are you going to do that makes me get excited?" And I say the same thing for Colby Jones at thirty-one. In fact, I've been working on sound drops and nicknames. So Colby Jones gets a sound drop. Where's the cheese? It's a very good question, Peter Russell Clark. So Colby Jones and Maxwell Lewis, I think they're pretty similar. Jones, probably more of a 2 than a 3, whereas Lewis, more of a 3 than a 2, but it's interchangeable. Size, some defensive ability, some scoring ability, some shooting ability, but it's not all there. It's sort of all just not theoretical. It's more like eh, you're just doing things. You're not doing anything that gets me interested or excited. It's just things. Solid, solid production without huge upside sort of stuff. And that's why they said at 32 for Maxwell Lewis and 31 for uh, Colby Jones. Let's hit it again. Where's the cheese? All right. Um, Let's let's move on to the next bunch of players, 30 through to 16. Did that work? I don't think that worked. That's an L. Why did that not work? This is the problem with playing with trying to do new technology. I hope it works. Let's try it again and hope that it works. There we go. That's much better. Let's hope it sticks for the rest of the recording. Anyway, so I've got number 30, 29, and 28 all in the same tier as those other guys. At 30, I've got Chris Murray from Iowa, Keegan's brother. I think he's just a worse player than Keegan. He's a year older than what Keegan was when he came in. Obviously, they're the same age as their their twins. His shooting is not as good as Keegan's. His defense isn't as good as Keegan's. Um, Limited upside, I think, for Chris. Solid player. Absolutely. Solid player. And probably massive chance that he works out better than 10 of the players. Ahead of him on my big board. No problem with that. But I don't care. And the reason I don't care is I just think that the upside value of every one of these players that I have listed ahead of Chris Murray, I just think is much higher. And I'd just rather take that flyer on those guys uh, ahead of Chris where I know what I'm getting. It's solid. And, And that is, again, going to be team context dependent. And that's not what this big board is. I just think that these other players are better prospects than what Chris Murray is. At 29, it's Olivier Maxence. People have been calling him Prosper. I feel like it's not Prosper. I feel like it's Prosper, but I don't know. Olivier Maxence Prosper from Marquette, really rising up draft boards as well. Good size, good defense, but like Jordan Walsh, for example, the shooting is a big concern. I think there's a little bit more there with Prosper than what there is with Walsh. And he's definitely getting more buzz, but I've got him at 29. And then the last player in that tier of guys that I've got is Tristan Vukcevic from Partizan unbelievably good shooter good size that shooting value is just is really strong can he do the other things yeah, i don't know but the shooting is there the size is there some rebounding skill defensively we've got to work on all that of course but the upside of it as a shooter at that height like michael porter junior height is is yeah obviously really useful number 27 this is the start of my tier 8 And I've got three players in this tier. It's Ryan Rupert from the New Zealand Breakers. Another player, much like um, Prosper or Jordan Walsh, a defensive wing who can struggle with shooting. But I thought he held his own playing for New Zealand in the NBL. That team went on and won the championship. He was a part of that rotation. It's not always the case. And in a draft that isn't as strong as this one, Repair would be a pretty clear top 20 player to me. Just the upside, the size, the shooting ability, the ball handling, defense, it's all there. Well, shooting ability, not yet, but we hope it gets there. At number 26, it's Brandon Prozemski from Santa Clara. New Bronco, has just dropped. Um, all these numbers are unbelievable. All his stats are crazy. Now, he barely played. I think it was, did he play for Indiana in his freshman year, then transferred to Santa Clara, and then got an opportunity and went crazy. And his fantasy translation numbers put him as a Tier 5, top 20 fantasy dynasty asset. In fact, I'd probably go maybe even a little bit higher than that because he puts rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, shooting numbers, free throws. Everything was great about what he did. Now, the level of competitions are a concern, but we talked about the Bronco. This is the same team, the same conference that Santa Clara played against, that Jalen Williams from Oklahoma City. I don't know why I needed to say Oklahoma City. There's only one team that the Jalen Williams has played for. The Bronco, Jalen Williams, um, played against that same team. Pojemski is rising up. He's a second-year player. Stat translations are amazing. Watching him on the court, he's probably, he's got the size to play the three, but he's probably more of a one-two combo guard versus a wing, which gives him value. I don't know that he played point guard in the NBA, but I think he can fill in at times there. And looking back on this list, every time I do this, I look back and go, hmm, got Podjemski there at 26. Like, why couldn't he be at 20? He could. He could, I don't have him in that tier yet, but I reckon I'm going to, when I go back and do this again, I'm probably going to end up moving him, but I've got him in the same tier as repair and Jordan Hawkins, who I've got at 25 from Yukon. The shooting for Hawkins is great. Movement shooting is solid. He's a little bit older and I'm not really sure what else he brings to the table. Having shooting is, is important, but as we talk about on this show a lot, what else? If that's cold, what else are you bringing? Is there any superstar upside in what he can do? And I don't think there is. And that's why I've got him down at 25. The beginning of my next tier is C.D. Sissoko at number 24. Now, a lot of mock drafts who are trying to predict what's going to happen in the NBA draft have Sissoko falling outside the first round, which is crazy to me. Yes, there are some concerns about the low usage and some shooting numbers, but I've looked at some of his G League stuff, and when he needs to, he can step it up. He's got the size. He's like 6'7". He can pass, point forward, defend. Defend? Why do I say it that way? Defend. The shooting, yes, it needs some work, but I think he's a better prospect than repair. I think him playing at that G League level and playing pretty well for that team alongside Scoot Henderson is important. And I don't know why he's falling as far as he is. I definitely wouldn't let him fall outside the first round. No chance. 23, Jet Howard from Michigan. Shooting, excellent. No problems there, but literally everything else I don't know. There are some, and that was thing with Albert, who came on the show last week and is really high on Jet and his ability to create for himself and push to maybe be a number one or two option. Um, but I worry about him defensively. I worry about the complete lack of rebounds. I worry about creating for others. The shooting I've got no real concern about, but the height is there. And he will almost definitely go higher than pick 23, but I've got him at 23 on my big board. 22 is Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas. Just a disastrous college season, injury-wise and production-wise, considering he came in as like a top five player at a, at a bare minimum. He was awesome coming, or uh, the projection for him was was awesome. They thought he was going to be a top five pick, but everything for Arkansas went wrong. The shooting wasn't there. He couldn't stay healthy. So I've got him in this tier seven group along with Sissoko and Howard and the next two guys on the list, but there's clear upside there for him to get back to what he was able to do in high school. I worry a little bit about shot selection and efficiency, but at this point of the draft, getting that star upside is important. And the same goes for the next guy who I've got at number 21, the pimple, Derek Whitehead, who had now has another second surgery on his foot. He will be ready for training camp, but that's what dings him. To me, I would have had him probably 15 or 14. He still shot 40% from three for Duke, so it wasn't that he just couldn't hit shots. He just had injuries. He couldn't really get the minutes that he needed and sort of working it out, coming back from injury to get into the right position and the right role was tough. The second foot surgery here worries me. But he's got size. He's got shooting, star shooting upside. But he can do more stuff. I think he can defend a little bit. I think he can be or profile. At least he did profile to be a number one offensive option. Not sure he'll get there. But there's a lot there that I like. And then to finish off this tier seven, I've got Gigi Jackson from South Carolina. Cock legend. Who had huge usage. He's the youngest player in this draft by a million miles. He doesn't turn 19 until December. So when we talk about like him, like he's younger than Brandon Miller, like a month older than the Thompsons. No, sorry, two, two years younger than Brandon Miller and like one year and 11 months younger than the Thompsons. He's unbelievably young. He could have gone back to college and still come into the draft as a 19-year-old next year and been the number, number one, number five player, top five player in the draft. A lot of off-court concerns for sure. Immaturity issues, he's 18. So that makes a little bit of sense. I worry about some of the shot selection, some of the defense, but man, the size, the shot creation ability is massive for a guy like this. And again, in two years' time, he's the same age as what Brandon Miller is now. He's In three years' time, he's the same age as Jordan Hawkins is now. That that sort of upside is amazing. By the end of his rookie contract, he's 22. So you've got this time to let him, see what he becomes because he's nowhere near a finished product. So I've got him at number 20. That rounds out my tier seven. I've got two guys in tier six, and that is Keontae George from Baylor at 19 overall. And I've got Noah Clowney from Alabama at 18. I've moved Clowney way back up. I just think that his defensive ability on the perimeter and at the rim and in the paint is excellent. He is also really young. I think he's just about to turn 19. He's six foot 10. He can shoot. He can defend. Why can't he be you know, new age Paul Milsap. And he's, he's young. I think that, taking that, look, if you look at a guy like uh, Bobby Clintman, who's got a similar physical profile with shooting, but Clowney's a much better defender, worse passer, but it's the tantalizing upside for me. And getting a four who can, like think Aaron Gordon, but a better shooting version, maybe not better shooting, maybe potentially better shooting, but that sort of player, Aaron Gordon, not the athlete Aaron Gordon is, of course, we know that, but they're, they're valuable, these guys. They can defend in. They can defend out. And he's young. I really like it. Um, so that's the end of that tier for me. And then I have an extended tier five, which is pretty big. It's like seven players long. Yeah, seven players long. At number 17, it is Grady Dick. And Grady Dick, I said I'm working on nicknames. It's just too many options. Look, what, do I, what do I call him? Like, this it Some of it feels too obvious to call Grady Dick nicknames. like It's just, there's got to be something that's out there. I'll find it, but I'm not there with him yet. Anyway, I've got Grady Dick at 17. Really good shooter. He'd have to be the best shooter in this class, and I'm not convinced that he is. He'd have to be the best shooter in this class for me to push him into the top 12 zone. I am very convinced he's going to go there, and I'm very convinced I'm not going to love it. I worry a little bit about his defense. He's got good size. That is a huge positive. The shooting is great, and I think it's going to be great, but, and he's young. He's only 19. But, like, some of these one-dimensional players, and I fear that's what he might be, Just I don't want to spend lottery picks on them. So I've got him at 17 I've got Bryce Sensibor at 16. And I did have Sensibor going at 11 in my last mock to Orlando because I just think they need some scoring and shooting. And that's what I talk about, like, looking at the tiers. So while I do have some other players who I think are better than Bryce Sensibor, I just think that when you're the Magic and it's the second pick in the top 11, and you've got Paolo and you've got Franz there already, then you can take a little bit of a guy that if he's in that same tier, you can grab that shooting. And that's why I have sensible over Dick. So I would I would take Bryce. And that's still where I sit with that. I worry about his defense. I worry a little bit about his knees. His defense is, is bad. It's worse than Dick's, I think. But I think his shooting and he's scoring overall is probably a little bit better than where Grady sits. Now, I hope that as I go through to my top 15, my graphic animation works. That would be the the ideal scenario. Fingers crossed. Oh, yes. I think we've solved the problem. So let's go through the final 15 of my big board. Number 15 is Jalen hood Shafino from Indiana, a guy that's numbers overall in college aren't particularly strong, but he's big. He's 6'5". He can pass. He can shoot. He can defend. The system there, we talked about Trace Jack- Jackson Davis having everything run through him. That sort of limited what hood Shafino can do. Now, I think hood Shafino's is going to go higher than this. I think ESPN's got him at 9, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz do grab him around that area. That size as a point guard who's got, I think, more shooting ability than, say, an Anthony Black is really useful. Didn't produce in college the way we wanted him to, but I have moved him all the way up to 15. Number 14, this guy is getting more hype than anybody at the moment, and he's still part of my Tier 5 group, along with Dick and Sensible from the last uh, last grouping. Um, it's Bilal Kalabali. And... I've gotta I've gotta get that pronunciation right. Is it Calaboli? Because I know you'll hear him pronounce as Kulabali, but I watched the French a French game, well, obviously he plays in France, and the French uh, announcers called him Kulaboli. So I'll go with Kalaboli. This guy's numbers were pedestrian, and now he's exploded. Now, some of this is recency bias because there's no prospects playing apart from him and Victor Wembanyama. But every game that goes on, he's pushing his team, Metropolitan's ninety-two through to the French finals, playing a big role. And every time I go to look at his numbers to translate them, I've got to add the most recent games, and it gets better and better and better. So when I did this like a month ago, he translated in my system like 270th out of all NBA players. And now it's 159th. So jumping up, he's into my fourth tier for Dynasty. So around that 14 mark. I've got him in my fifth tier here overall. It feels to me that he is going maybe in the top 10. It doesn't feel like he'll get past Oklahoma City at 12, but that's not the purpose of this big board. It's for me to tell you where I put him, but I'm not 100% convinced. Athleticism looks crazy. Wingspan is huge. Defensively, I think he's good. He put up unbelievable numbers playing juniors in France, and some of the numbers have carried across, but not to the same level. But I think the shooting is a genuine concern, and I'm not sure it ever gets there. And some of his free throw numbers have been disgusting as well. I think they can be better than that. I think he's a solid, solid option as a wing, and he has jumped ahead of Sissoko and repair of those French do-it-all wings, and I'm very confident he's going to go ahead of those players, but I'm not as sold on him where people are going, well, I'll take him at six or I'll take him at nine. I'm not that sold on Calaboli just yet. 13 is Kobe Bufkin from Michigan. Six-for-four combo guard. Um, shooting, there is, there is upside still to improve on that. But I think he can defend okay for his position. He can handle the ball. He can run as a point guard. He can run as a shooting guard. He's got decent enough size. He's risen quite a bit as well recently in mock drafts. And he's in this group to me, which goes all the way through here to number 11 of a similar tier bunch of players. His shooting's not as good as, say, Dick and Sensibor, but I think the other parts of his game are better, defensively especially. Number 12 is Derek Lively, the second from Duke. Comically low offensive output in college, but came in as a top five recruit. I think he can shoot. He did it in high school. He's doing it in his pro days. I think he can take on more offensive role, but the ability to say, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a defensive guy. And his shot blocking numbers. They're not Walker Kessler, but they're the closest to Walker Kessler that we have in this draft. And fantasy wise, he jumps up to like number 10 on my dynasty rookie ranks. And if he gets picked at like 10th in the draft, I'll probably jump him to like seven in my dynasty rookie ranks. He's got some of the best translations that we have for anyone coming out. I think the best guy coming out translation-wise, well, it's hard because of, obviously, Victor, um, but he's, he's one of the best ones that coming out out of the college ranks anyway because it's hard sometimes to pass the international or the um, like guys like Vukcevic and Ivicic have come out with really good translation numbers, or the overtime elite players with big numbers. But it's him and Pojemski coming out of college. You probably have the best overall fantasy translations. Also true, uh, Jackson Davis also has those numbers. But Derek Lively there at 12. 11 is Leonard Miller from the Ignite. A 6'10 forward who can shoot a little bit, but it's not quite there, but punishing finisher at the rim. I think strong defender, good rebounder, could have been drafted in the first round last year. Produced great numbers in the G League against professionals. I, 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 He's really close to the top 10 for me. At number 10, it is Anthony Black. Mr. Black. From Arkansas, 6'7 guard, point guard, bad shooting, bad form. Um, And yes, you could say the Thompsons have bad shooting, and I agree. And Anthony Black's a better shooter, I also agree. But I also think that they're better playmakers and better defenders and better athletes. So I've got him ahead of Anthony Black. Now, I could easily make an argument that Black could be the best point guard in this class, non-scoot division. Easy. But I'm not going to. I think he's actually behind Case and Wallace, who I've got at nine. I just really worry about the offensive hesitancy and the shooting hesitancy with him as well. At number nine is Case and Wallace from Kentucky. Definitely a Kentucky guard bump. No doubt about that. He measured probably a little bit shorter than I'd hope. I hope. think six, two and a half without shoes. So that's about six, three and a half, six, four with shoes. Strong wingspan, strong body, good defender, I think he's got scoring upside. We know the Kentucky system. I I, I would love for him to measure 6'4 without shoes. It would have been awesome. But he's not quite there. His fantasy translations. Um, Wallace comes in at number nine. So about the same, exact same spot in my tier three for fantasy rookies. Whereas someone like Anthony Black is behind a lively and a Miller for uh, my fantasy translations. And then we get to the top eight, which I think is pretty set as a top eight. I don't see anyone else jumping into that. I've got Whitmore at number eight. Now, Cam Whitmore is probably going to go at pick number five. He is very young. There's no debate in that. And actually, for my dynasty rookie tiers, he's in tier two, which puts him at number four overall. Because I think he's going to go quite high. I think he's going to go pick five. He's very young. He's got high-level scoring upside. But the worry for me is it's very, very rare to see a player with such inability to create for others turn into a star NBA player. It's just so unlikely. Now, maybe he can do that and the Villanova team wasn't particularly strong. But that assist to turnover ratio and the low assist numbers are puzzlingly low. I think he can be an okay defender. He's pretty athletic. He's not hyper-athletic like some of these other guys. When he, I don't think he's the athlete of Scoot or the Thompsons. To Let me just phrase it that way. But getting to the rim, good size, position of need, shooting and scoring upside, all really good. And I've got, in terms of my, my overall draft tiers, I've got All of these guys, eight through three, in the same tier. And that wasn't the case when I did this last week. At number seven, I do have one of the Thompsons. I think he's talking to you. Asar Thompson, I've got at number seven here. I just think marginally less feel than a man. Marginally less athleticism. Possibly a better shooter. Probably a better shooter. But I just think just marginally lower as a prospect. But... When I did this last week, I had a men a tier higher, and now I've got a men and a sar in the same tier. So I do have a sar coming in at seven, but you could easily now, I'm more attuned to the argument of having a sar higher than a men. I'm not there, but they're closer closer than they were. At six is Jarris Walker from Houston. Another player that I can use my Walker sound drop on now that Kemba Walker's out of the league. Hello, Jarris. The numbers aren't blowing you away in college. The shooting at 34% from three is not ideal, but perfect size. Maybe not perfect. Maybe a little bit short, 6'8". I would like him to be 6'9", 6'10", to play the four. I don't think he can play the three. But what he was able to do at IMG before going to college was run an offense and be more creative with the ball in his hands, which he didn't do in Houston with Marcus Sasser doing a lot of that. So there is significant upside. You can't beat Draymond Green because Draymond Green's one of a kind. But a defensive four who can play some small ball five who can pass and run a little bit of offense, maybe some shooting upside. It's interesting. I think there's a lot more to him offensively than we saw at Houston. And I would have no problem with Jarris going at pick four. At pick, at, not pick five, at number five on my big board, it's Brandon Miller from Alabama. Now he will go undoubtedly at least at three and it feels like he's going to go at two, which feels like an insane mistake to me. I think the Miller shooting was great. I think that his size is important. I don't think that he's an elite defender. I don't think that he's an elite self-creator. I don't think his passing is good, but I don't think he's an elite creator for others. I think his athleticism is below par. I think that his finishing improved as the season went on for sure. And I think he could become like a Chris Middleton type of player, not Paul George. I think and Chris, that's still really valuable. And it's not like I hate Brandon Miller. I have him at five. I just don't see overall complete star... Number one option, upside. And the fact that, like most players, but the fact that when he played against better opposition in college, the numbers look like pedestrian. And the drop-off for him was more pronounced than it was for other players. And then we saw the fading at the college, uh, at the NCAA tournament, the off-court issues, which of course he hasn't been charged, but there's still questions to be asked there. And there's conflicting reports about his interviews, which I'm not a part of and I can't judge that but just going off his game as well, I've got him at five because I really like Taylor Hendricks at number four. Taylor Hendricks, again, is there clear number one offensive upside? I don't think so. I don't think so. But the ability to shoot, be a 40% three-point shooter as a big man, think Jabari Smith, who I know people are very much out on Jabari. I think maybe they're going a little bit too far on that. Um... Jabari Smith's defensive ability, shooting ability, I think maybe a little bit more self-creation ability for Taylor Hendricks. He also knows exactly what he needs to do role-wise. He can play the four, he can play the five. He might be able to play the three in certain situations. It's just an insanely valuable player. And the reason I have him ahead of Miller is while Miller is probably going to average more points per game as a pro- as a player. No, I've got no question about that. But I think what Hendricks brings... Positionally, positionality um, defensively combined with shooting, combined with fitting a role, makes him more valuable. As simple as that. And the last player in my tier three is the guy that I had clear in his own at tier three before, but I have brought him back down and that's Amen Thompson. I think he's talking to you. I'm just starting to really shit myself about the scoring or about the shooting. Now, a lot of people say, well, he's just Ben Simmons. That's just completely not true. Ben Simmons would not take threes. A man will. He'll miss them, but he will take them. And part of Simmons' issue was not that he can't hit threes. It's that he never did. So you never had to guard him. A men will take them. He'll miss a lot of them. That is a huge concern. But he's not a player like Simmons who is a better athlete than Simmons, number one. He's probably not as good of a passer. Um, He may be equivalent defensively, but he's got more. You have to respect a little bit of the shooting of a men. Not greatly, but you do have to respect a little bit of it. If the shooting becomes league average, then he's ahead of everyone on this list. Not, not true, sorry. Ahead of everyone below him on this list, clearly, in his own tier. But I am very worried about the shooting. I, I'm not. I'm a little worried about the competition level at OT, but I also saw him play against international teams and do fine. Like he was cr- pretty good in those games as well, same as Asar. So I'm not that concerned about that. It's really just the shooting for me. Number two is Scoot Henderson. I'm just not going to overthink it. I think he... I know that a lot of people will be like he will go number one in every draft class Probably this I might have even said that and I think he would go number one in a lot of previous drafts he also wouldn't in some of them in fact that's an interesting that's an interesting um, debate let's have a look NBA number one draft picks history I'm going to bring up who they were just so we can go through the whole list Um, because I think he would go ahead of a lot of them like would he go ahead of Paulo Bonquero yes would he go ahead of Cade Cunningham yes Anthony Edwards, yes. Zion Williamson, no. DeAndre Ayton, well, that's an interesting one because DeAndre Ayton shouldn't have gone one. So let's sub. Should, would he have gone ahead of DeAndre Ayton? Yes. Should he have gone ahead of Luka Doncic? No. Markel Fultz, yes. That's the Jason Tatum draft, but you know. But as prospects, you would have taken Scoot ahead of Tatum. Um, 2016 was Simmons. Uh, Simmons versus Scoot, probably would go Scoot. Probably would take Scoot. 2015 was Towns. Um, yeah, I think I probably would take Scoot. 2014 was Wiggins. Wiggins had a huge amount of hype, so I think Wiggins um, would probably have gone one. 13 was Anthony Bennett. That's a very clear. Scoot would have gone one. And then 2012 was Anthony Davis. No, he wouldn't have gone ahead of Davis. 2011 was Kyrie Irving. Debatable. 2010 was John Wall. Uh, would have gone ahead of Wall, I think. Um, and then Griffin, Rose, Odin. Wouldn't have gone ahead of Odin. Rose, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Griffin, probably. I think Scoot's an unbelievable prospect. I think the Hornets are going to overthink it. I worry that the Blazers are going to overthink it. I worry that the Blazers, the Rockets, the Pistons are all going to do some weird things with their draft picks. I think this draft is going to be close to strange, close to a disaster for some teams. And then at number one, what do I, it's Victor Wembenyama. Like it's not happening any other way. He's clearly number one. He's been number one all year. It's not changing. I took him number three in a Dynasty draft. A dynasty startup mock. I think he's going to be awesome. I don't know what I need to say about him. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.